This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hey everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Tyler Kern, and I'm joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend, Greg Crumpton himself. Greg, thanks for being here, man. It's good to talk to you. Oh man, always good to talk to you and and uh, end the week on a positive note. It is Friday, so we're uh, looking forward to a good weekend. It's been a crazy busy week with a lot of travel for on, on my side. Uh, glad to be at home today and uh, kind of catching up a little bit and thinking about business and and cool people in business and uh this is always a good way to get that that get that thought going absolutely absolutely and we're recording this on a friday but if you're listening to this on any day but friday just treat it like it's friday and yeah, uh little fridays what i like to call them <laughs> exactly and uh enjoy enjoy listening to this podcast and maybe for the duration just feel a little bit more like uh like a friday so that's what we hope to bring to you today here on this episode of straight out of crumpton but we have another fantastic guest joining us today her name is mara fowler she is a global accounts manager for comscope mara thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me it's an honor wow Tyler, we're coming out of the gate strong. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. I feel better Honor. about myself already. Ten feet tall and bulletproof, baby. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, Greg, tell us about Mara. Well, very interesting, intelligent, and ambitious young lady. Um, I I don't know how long I've been knowing Mara. Several years now, through various different. Uh, trade groups, uh, IT community, facilities community. We actually spent time as co-workers and uh, she's just a, a great, great soul with a great outlook. So I thought, you know what, I bet she would just knock this out of the park. So after bribing her with a hundred dollar bill, here she is. So <laughs> Mara, thanks for, thanks for uh, volunteering to come on. You know, we, and, and I always like to preface this that um you know you'll probably skyrocket in popularity because so many people listen to this so when you make it big don't forget the little people that's right it was funny when i saw the topic it, you know our relationship has been an important part of of my career over the last couple of years so i thought it was a a good opportunity to talk about that and um so I was, i'm excited very cool so the as Tyler and and we've talked about in the past, we the, this whole concept came together because I've made a career off of working with people and for people that you know we kind of were moving in the same direction and and kind of had that same feel and flow as to how we served our customers. So you're you're a natural at that. Uh, I love to to listen how you think and and watch what you do with your thoughts. So. Tell us just a little bit about you, how you wound up at Comscope, what you do there. And then, you know, like what I'm curious of your, I mean, I, I think I know how you go to market just by watching, but I'm curious of if what I see is how you envision it. I always like to do that juxtaposition of what you're thinking and then what's getting delivered versus how my interpretation is from a friend and, and, you know, potential consumer. Sure. So when I, you know, when I think about relationships, I, that's directly tied to where I am today in my career. You know, I started out in school, I was planning to be a reporter and I had really no plans of ever ending up in sales. 
But uh, the reason I even started in this market 20 years ago, I was waitressing and someone offered me a, a position in customer service. And that was at Corning at the time. And through that first relationship that I built from a, a repeat customer, every career change that I've had or a new position or a new opportunity, and I've only had three or four moves in my career, they've all been based off of a relationship and a necessity for me uh, to move in some way, whether it was to progress my career or just uh, personal situations where I needed to relocate, which is actually kind of where you came into the picture a few years ago. But relationships has been kind of that key component to my success in my career. Awesome. So I'm curious that when you were a waitress and you got that opportunity, was the person who gave you the opportunity a customer of yours? Yes. So he was. I love that. Yeah. He was the vice president of customer at Corning. And he, yeah. So he basically, uh, I had, I had served that, that group at Corning and they, they liked how I interacted with them. And they asked me, have you ever considered a job in sales? And I said, no. And then, you know, the opportunity for customer service came about. So yeah, that's that where I started. so cool. Yep. So that's where I started. And they said, once I got hired, you know, my, my goal was to finish school and pursue, pursue my career in journalism. And uh, there was a, just a point in time where I, where I realized I wasn't going to go back to that. I really enjoyed what I was doing. And every, uh, I would say promotion or career move that I've had has been directly related to my passion for people and, and connecting. Well, you know, it's always interesting to me of how people find people. And, and I actually, um, had an experience similar to that. I met a young lady who was working at Outback Steakhouse. And I think I've told this before, but I've probably never told you, but this lady was always spot on with my, like, I would get orders to go like on the way home, you know, one, one night, every once in a while, pick up a dinner and she was just always so on it. So I wound up uh, offering her a job in operations because she was so efficient and logistically minded that I'm like, you got to do, you know, this for us. And uh, she wound up coming on board with us for several years and having a, having a good run. But I just think it's cool when, when we stumble upon, so to speak, people that, that in, in, then in our minds, it clicks like, Hey, that, that kind of customer service and that kind of touch is what we need in our business, whatever that business may be. And, um, it's just really a, a, a fun thing to hear come to fruition. Well, you know, one thing that I learned early on was, you know, every, every person has an innate desire to connect. Right. And what I remember from those early conversations when I was, you know, just starting out in my career when I was talking to a C-level or a C-suite person, I, I didn't change how I talked to them. And I remembered one of them actually saying that to me, like, I really appreciate you just talking to me like a person versus somebody who's 10 levels up from you. <laughs> so I, and I rem and I've remembered that. And so as I've in my career, you know, I've been an account manager for the last uh, 10 years and now I manage several global accounts but I would say that my, my success has been directly attributed to making sure that when I meet people, whether it's when I walk into a data center, uh, whether it's the janitor or the uh, security person or an IT um, person that's on site, 
uh, I don't stop and, and treat them any differently than when I see uh, the data center manager come in. Um, so, and, and that's just kind of a, a situational example of, of the importance of, I would say that's translated across uh, my career and networking. That's how I met you. You know, you're kind of a rock star, but that didn't stop me from <laughs> walking, oh, walking, walking up to you and <laughs> a piece and, uh, of granite, maybe a piece of granite rock. But. And I don't really remember where we met, but I'm pretty sure it was one of our networking events and uh, we stayed in touch. And I remember you gave me the, the, the coin. Um, and I, and I saved that for quite a while until I handed it. I gave actually gave it to somebody else. Uh, and then when after my dad passed away, I needed to relocate back to Charlotte. And I was like, who can I call? Because every job, everything that I've gotten was somebody tapped me on the shoulder. Now I need to tap somebody on the shoulder and get back to Charlotte. And I immediately thought of you. And I thought, oh, I'll call Greg. If he doesn't know, he'll know somebody that can get me back to Charlotte. So, And yeah. lo and behold, you made it back. I did. I did. It was really good timing. And uh, so that year that I spent uh, managing the customer experience for Airtight, it was a great experience because it, one, it took me back to my roots of customer service. <laughs> and at the same time, it met a personal need for me, you know, to be back uh, central to Charlotte and kind of figure out what my next move would be. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad it worked. And uh, see, that's what you get for giving my coin away. So now I've got to <laughs> mail you one. That's right. <laughs> I still, I love those coins. Tyler, I don't know if you know what we're talking about, but in the military, um, a lot of people use these little tokens called challenge coins. It's about the size of a silver dollar. And uh -huh. that's actually my business card. And it's got contact info and my logo and all that crap on it. But it it's uh, a little bit more solid than a, than a business card on paper. And people tend to play with it and keep it. So it's, it's just one of the things that I've, I've done for, and I stole the idea, obviously, um, <laughs> well, it's a smart idea. I well, like it's just, that. It's different, you know. Any and yeah, it just like Mara remembered it, and I've had other people. You know, it's I've I've been in people's office and talking with them, and I noticed they're playing with something in their hand while we're talking, and I'll look, and it might be a cart, my business coin that I gave them five years ago, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they get used for ball markers and golf. They they get used to, you know subtle bets for flipping a coin. So it's just some, some kind of cool, but anyway, um, I digress back to Mara and I'll, I just, I'm so glad that worked and got you back, you know, uh, to the Charlotte area where you could, like you said, kind of reevaluate, you know, and grab a gear. Okay. What's next. And then how, how did that come about? Like, you know, when, when you were back and settled and did you kind of say, you know what, I'm ready to go at this another angle or what, what was your, what was your mindset when you uh, wound up at Comscope? Well, yeah. So at the time, you know, my, I guess my, my history and my career prior to that, I had been managing uh, accounts uh, for large organizations and, out of my career, my, my favorite position was managing the Microsoft account in Boynton, Virginia, which is in the middle of nowhere. But I just enjoyed uh, having that focus on Walmart, but also because uh, I was calling on not just that location, but globally back, you know, all the way ties back to Seattle, 
you know, I, I, I kind of missed that. So I was just kind of waiting and said, you know, eventually I want to get back to something similar to that. And uh, Comscope had uh, some folks from Corning had moved to Comscope and they had been there several years and an opportunity came up uh, to manage the Apple account. And uh, my name came up and they said, we, well, where's Mara? <laughs> you know, could she come in? She knows the Apple guys. Uh, could she come in and manage this account for us? And they tapped me on the shoulder and and the, which was kind of the natural progression of what I was used to of, of being called upon to go into a, a new opportunity. And it was just a per, it was good timing. It was a perfect fit. I kind of, you know, things I had done my part. I felt like at, um, at airtight and it was a, just a good timing for me to move into this, this next role. And it's been, an, it's been a, an exciting ride. You know, I, I started there last year and then this year we have COVID and, you know, the, it's definitely changed the way that we've, uh, our relation, you know, the, how we're relating to each other. And I heard somebody say the other day, you know, you know, the COVID has kind of, um, cured us of, of talking. You know, we, we don't talk to people anymore because we're, we've been quarantined. And how do we become fully present again without face to face meetings? And so that's been my challenge is how do I still keep these connections intact without being across the table from them? And in sales, you know, I still have a big, big part of my business is, is business development, right? Growing these, have a handful of accounts, global accounts. How do I, how do I continue to grow the business without travel? You know, working from home, working from a, um, my home office. And I'm, I'm still kind of navigating that, but, um, I just picked up a book by, uh, I want to say she, uh, the 19th Surgeon General. Vivek Murthy, and it's the healing power of the human connection. And yeah, it's really, really good. I highly recommend it. Um, but I would say even before COVID, you know, my, I have two, uh, adult, young adult daughters. And I remember the first time I dropped one of them off at, at their friend's house. And I said, she's like, well, she's not answering my text. I, I want to make sure she's inside. And I said, well, why don't you pick up the phone and call her? And she said, call her. <laughs> I don't, we don't call each other. <laughs> and I was, and I just, it, at that moment, I knew something had changed and it was, um, something that I've, no, I've made it kind of an emphasis to make sure that my daughters spend time calling their grandparents, calling, um, friends and family rather than sitting behind a keyboard. Um, but now that's kind of translated into how we operate today. Right. So, you know, how do we, how do we keep that human connection alive? Um, with such a, with, with technology as great as it is. Right. So, yeah, you know, God, COVID, we could go on for hours, but um, you like 22 billion other people that either we know or operate around or try to survive with are trying to answer those questions. And, you know, one thing is you work for a company that's on the edge of, of helping us do that, you know, through your, through your market. Um, but I think we all, uh, that are in the, in the service world, sales world, whatever we're doing, we're, we're all trying to figure out like, how, do, how do you keep that connection? And we've talked about them on this podcast over the last six months, for sure. How do you keep those relationships flowing and moving along? And, and for, for me, I've found that it's a mixture of text, phone call, email, you know, and some kind of rhythm. 
And, but there, you know, to the point you made about your daughter, um, I still don't think you can replace the human phone call. You know, I'm, you know, a 56 year old guy and it's natural for me to say, well, I'm just going to call Tyler or I'm going to call Mara. I don't just think about, well, I'm going to send them a text. To me, that's secondary, uh, depending on, you know, what the, am I in a meeting and I need to get something across to them quickly, or am I driving down the road and I've got two minutes? And even if you don't answer, I can leave a voicemail, and then you at least know I'm trying to communicate in in a human-like manner, not in a, not in a digitized type manner. Um, and then, however you respond is up to you. But I I think we're all you know trying to figure that out, and I don't think it's um, anything that we're going to quit trying to figure out anytime soon. Um, part of my job at Service Logic is understanding what what we do as a corporation from a human safety standpoint. And all of our companies have a safety officer, so to speak, or a safety contact. And we're always talking about, you know, like what's coming. So we've figured out how to navigate COVID and, and we've had such a low percentage of our employees uh that have been impacted very fortunate and and um you know we've got like four thousand people now nationally a very small percentage or, or fractional percentage of people that have been impacted but now we got flu season coming so you know we've never really made a big stink about flu season we all knew it was something that happened to each of us in the winter that we had to take precautions, had to think about, but you know, it's got a whole new level of, of complexity this year due to the fact that everybody's hypersensitive about viruses. So, um, and how do you communicate that out to 4,000 people? And, you know, just all that stuff that you just reiterated from a sales and marketing role, business development to an operational role is you know, equally difficult or, or requires, uh, you know, an equal amount of thought anyway. Absolutely. And then the second, you know, the second part of that in, in my eyes is the, the emotional impact that it has on the employees and how do you navigate that. And fortunately, Comscope over the last uh, second half of this uh, COVID uh, quarantine, the, we've had a great response from our human resource department on tools and resources for us to use uh, to help us with the the mental impact of being quarantined and the, the not having that social interaction. And then some of us are juggling the ones that have younger kids at home have kids. And so it's not now it's not abnormal that I'm on a on a virtual team or a meeting and um, somebody's kids are in the background crying because they couldn't figure out a math problem. It's not it's not it's normalized now. So and it's okay. You don't, you don't have to panic uh, anymore. And that, that's me and Tyler working on our algebra. We break down. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mara, Tyler, uh, is a little bit younger than, than me, uh, by about half. And I always like to get his perspective, usually about halfway through these calls, just to hear how this stuff is resonating with him or, or what, his younger brain and how he analyzes what we're talking about and how it impacts him. Um, 
well, younger brain. Yeah, you got a PhD and all that, and and I don't. So, how do, how does this hit you? This conversation and and working through the challenges of of keeping that that communication funnel, you know, flowing uh, with different types of of tools. How does that work for you? And and what have you proven uh, to be successful? Well. Man, I am a uh, a social person. I like being around people. And so this has been a rough and weird six, seven months for me. Luckily, my job is to talk to people. And so, you know, that's been, it's it's been good to get some some human interaction and connection that way. But, uh, but you know, you miss those, those face-to-face interactions like what we've discussed, you know, and, and what we've talked about. And so I think that those sorts of things, I think, are, are what all of us have been, have been missing, right? The the regular get-togethers with friends and um, the ability to sit across the table from a client or sit across the table from um, somebody that you work with and, and, you know, discuss how things are going and whatnot. I think everybody misses that to some level. So uh, I, I, guess my, I guess my biggest question is, Mara, what, what, what sorts of things do you value in terms of maintaining relationships with, with customers, with clients, or even with friends and family and that sort of thing? And how have you... How have you tried to replicate that as best you can kind of throughout this time? Yeah. So a few, a few minutes ago, Greg uh, mentioned how important the, a, a phone call was. And I didn't realize how really important that was till about a month ago. Uh, a, we had been email, emailing back and forth because uh, this customer is in California and there's a time difference. And then one day, and this has been going on for three months. And then one day he called me and my phone rang and I heard his voice and, and I got really excited. And I just remember telling him, thank you for calling me. I, I, you know, I need to do this. I need to do this. So I started doing it. And then I started getting the same feedback from people. And in fact, just last week, I FaceTimed uh, my first customer. Uh, I just asked, I said, Hey, instead of this phone call, do you mind if I FaceTime you? And he was like, sure. And it made it very personal. And uh, he's actually a CTO of one of these global customers that I have. And he walked out on, you know, he's walking through his house. He sits down on his deck and we, we sat there and FaceTimed and it, it definitely kind of took me back to that time where, you know, you, you make an appointment and meet somebody like I'd meet Greg at a coffee shop and we could sit across from each other. And we were more compelled to talk about you know, what's really going on in my life versus what we were there to talk about, which was usually something business related. So that kind of reminded me just to take the time and make it personal, right? We don't have to talk business every time we're on a, a virtual meeting with a customer. We can ask them how their day is and what their plans are for the weekend. And um, that that's something just recently, I just wanted to make a point that I'm doing that with with my customers, just like I did when I used to see them face to face. You know, we, um, my wife and I, we live about an hour away from my wife's grandparents who are older, obviously much higher risk. And, uh, so we haven't been able to go out and see them. And we started, we taught my, uh, my wife's grandmother how to FaceTime, um, during this, during this whole time so we could FaceTime with her and still talk and still communicate and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's not, it's not business, but you're, you're totally right. Just being able to see someone face to face like that, um, and have those types of conversations, it it changes the dynamic of things so much so much more so than than texting. And and I, my generation's probably the the first one to come up, you know, primarily preferring to to text and to use messaging and that sort of thing, um, as as us millennials, I guess. But 
you know, it it really was just a, a great experience and good for us and good for them. And and you can see how um, you're you're totally right that the conversation doesn't have to be business related in order for it to continue to maintain a relationship and to be good for both parties involved. And I think that that's I think that's a great a great thing to point out. Tyler, you brought up something right then that I've been curious about, and we don't have time to go into it too deeply, but you said the first generation that preferred to text versus calling. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I think, I mean, man, when I was 13 or 14, AOL instant messaging became a huge thing, and you got home from from school and you immediately hopped on the computer and started chatting with your friends from school and and that sort of thing and then all of a sudden we all got cell phones around 17 you know 16 17 years old um and you started texting with people and i think it just became quick and easy and more than anything i think i think it stems from a place and this is way outside of my my specialty or realm of of knowledge but i, I more than anything i think it stems from a place of of conflict avoidance right I, I think that it's easier to be conflict averse if you just have to send a text and say hey i'm not gonna show up for this thing or uh tell someone you know something that you wouldn't love to tell them you know you don't want to hear the words come out of your mouth or you don't want to have to see their reaction or hear their reaction you just send the text and then put your phone away and you know, try to ignore it or something like that. For me anyways, I think it's probably something like that, right? It's a little bit easier, maybe a little bit more of a cop-out, which is why FaceTime and voice calls, especially during this time, can be so powerful because we've trended so far away from that that I I think it kind of rekindles a little bit of connection that we've lost since we can't see each other face-to-face the way that we normally would have, and text messaging just doesn't convey some of the same emotion and doesn't have the same level of vulnerability, I think. Yeah, I agree. I I, I was just going to say that I think you're right that technology was the first silencer, right? But we got really comfortable and I would say that how we interact and, you know, Greg and I attend trade shows, we have to go out and, and be spontaneous and how we meet and greet people. And that takes a level of self-confidence, but technology can kind of inhibit that, hey, I'm pretty confident texting, but I'm not as confident calling. And think about it. It's the dating world right now, right? So a lot of uh, singles and have kind of gone and I've, I've, I went through that stage of, of the dating apps and you're right. It was so much easier just to text and uh, people would spend three weeks texting before they would meet. And that's not how it used to be, right? Either you were meeting in person, it, but you were having phone calls and you were talking before you went on the first date. So now we're, we've gotten that uh, kind of a level of self-confidence, just being able to text and stay behind the screen versus uh, the phone calls and uh, meeting in person. So, well, I just want to go on the record and say Tyler has zero problem picking the phone up and chewing me out. So I'm not <laughs> sure what he's talking about. So. That's great. He, he he has overcome his millennialism at times. You know, you got you got to battle a, it. Sometimes I was just going to say I had a girlfriend call me a few weeks ago and she was so excited and I was and she's been single for the longest time and she was so excited and she said this guy just called me to break things off and I was like why are you so excited? She said. This is the first time I haven't gotten a text message that it's over, that he actually called me and told me why. And we had a good conversation and it felt really good. And I was like, okay, well, I'm glad you're happy that he ended things, but it was all about the phone call. So, wow. I mean, I've heard people getting freaking divorced over text. Yeah. 
and the whole in ghost. fact, it <laughs> happened to one of my family members. She got a text from her um, now ex-husband and went to work one day, texted and said, yeah, I'm done. I'm like, wow. So, you know, that anyway, that, that does play into I just recently we went through a, a kind of a discovery phase for a possible pilot uh, with a customer that buys from me and they wanted Comscope to buy from them. And this went on for about three months. And this went up to my boss and my boss's boss. And then finally I got because uh, I, I couldn't make the decision myself. And then I got an email back and it said, hey, we're going to have to tell Sam that we're not going to be able to go down this path. And he'd been working on this for six months. And my boss actually put together an email for me to send. And I almost clicked send. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to call Sam. I'm not going to deliver this over email. And I did. I, I picked up the phone and, and had that conversation. And then I, I did follow it up with an email. So he had it. But um, I think it's important that when things and for an example, too, is when things get heated, when things get fired up, if I like the fact that Tyler can call you and 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 talk to you versus putting it on an email. So I wouldn't I wouldn't call it talking. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, oh, my I, gosh. I love Tyler. I love to mess with Tyler, too. But um, no, I, I, I really feel that. Mara, and especially, you know, we, we've all heard and talked about it for, for eons now. You don't get that emotion when you're on the keyboard, you know, of, of like, I'm really pissed and you need to hear how pissed I am. doesn't come across when you're texting, you know, it's like, okay, great, you're pissed, as opposed to hearing that, that emotion uh, coming through the voice. So good stuff. So what, tell, uh, tell us what, what's, on your horizon, what are you, what are you thinking about? What do you, I, I love the, you're talking about that book you're reading. So looking forward, you know, what, what is, what's, uh, the Mara plan? Well, for me in particular, you know, my, my handful of accounts are my babies, right. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to grow with them over the next uh, year under these times and what kind of value I can bring to them. And a lot of this has to do with, they have employees working remote. Uh, they have, you know, how can we empower them, whether it's uh, selling to them or through them, right, to make their customers' uh, experiences better as we kind of navigate through these this new territory and, and new times. Uh, because I don't think things are changing. I think, or, well, I think things are changing, right? But I don't think they're going back to the way they were. And we have to kind of figure out what does that mean for my customers and what does that mean for how I sell to them and what I'm selling to them and how are we going to come up with some real creative ways uh, to meet uh, my, our customers' needs. Do, do you get invited into that inner circle? Are you, are you um, like part of that, their strategy looking forward? Are you, are you in the room with them helping guide that or do most of your customers kind of come up with a half-baked plan and then present it to you and say, will this work? How, what, what, what is typical for you? My goal is to that first scenario, right? But that, that, that takes a, a level of trust and confidence that. Oh, it, finally, 36 <laughs> minutes. It there it out. is. <laughs> yeah. You won the trust war award for the day. Yeah. So, it always comes up. It's just a matter of when. Right. In the, in the conversation, but you're so right. 
Yeah, so, right. it took me a little while to 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 really truly uh, appreciate that factor in the sales process. But I remember uh, vividly a customer in Raleigh, uh, Adele. I I tried to get meetings with them, and um, he was just like, I remember I finally got a meeting, and he, and I sat down, and he said, you know, why should I buy from you? And I was like, I don't know, you know, I, let me come back to you in six months. And what I did was I spent time with his employees. I spent time in different groups. I found out their pain points. I found out you know, what can I do to help them? And then I sat back in front of him and said, okay, this is why you should buy for me. And about six months after that, he came out to me and said, Hey, would you be interested? And I worked for a distributor at the time. He said, would you be interested in uh, helping me rather than me going to all these manufacturers? Would you do it for me? Would you go out and vet all the different manufacturers for it was a containment uh, opportunity and put together, you know, kind of what I would do and, bring it back to me. And I was like, sure. And I remember asking him later, like, why did you, why did you trust me to do that? And, um, he did, he basically just said, you know, over time you kind of proved that. And so now I tried to speed up that process. Like now, how can I, how can I get my customer to trust me as quick as possible? Because that's going to, that's going to speed up the sales process. And I want to be at that area where I'm able to consult them and they take, take what I'm saying, um, and apply it. Love that, that, you know, we, we, we do talk about that on just about every podcast because everyone has a different way of building trust or explaining trust or even feeling trust because, you know, I, I I'm just, you either feel like somebody trusts you and they feel like they can trust you or not. And there's no solid metric for it. It's, you know, some people build it quickly and you've got full trust until you step on your willy wink. And then other people, you know, it takes years to build. And I just always love to hear how you go about doing that. And what, isn't it Stephen R. Covey, uh, Tyler, we've talked about before the, uh, Stephen Covey's son that has a, the speed of trust book. Um, mm-hmm. have you ever read that? I, I have, I have read excerpts from that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Pretty cool of how, the, you know, I, I just think of different situations within that book of how you can apply it to what you're trying to accomplish, but it all takes time. It all takes commitment. It all takes doing the right thing 24 seven, you know, all the stuff we know. Um, but it just happens at a different rate depending on the situation and the people. Right. And I would say the easiest way to do that, you know, for anybody that's listening, whether you're in operations or, but if you're connecting with customers in some way or a messaging to the, to the customers, uh, don't oversell. Right. And always be honest and transparent. And, you know, those three things I think have, have helped me tremendously because there has been times where I've had to tell a customer that I can't, uh, I don't necessarily like to say no, but if I say, you know, I can't do this for you and this is why, they appreciate that so much more than trying to oversell something that I can't deliver on. And then maybe six months from them, I will have an opportunity to give them what they need. So, you know, that's, and that's kind of basic, right? We teach our kids to tell the truth, right? And just be honest and open versus uh, kind of sugarcoating things and overselling. Well, that's where sales quotas get in the way because as a, a younger salesperson or somebody who who is learning their sales profession they've got a most of the time there there's a you know a number that they've got to hit 
And the balance between being able to say, no, I can't serve you properly and do that versus, yes, we can try to do it and you deliver a half-assed product, then that just negates the whole process. And then you're starting back on that whole trust factor again. But but it's so freaking um, natural to want to say yes to every sale to, to help your number. Um, and I've had a number, you know, I mean, I've, I've sold for a living, but, but at the end of the show, you know, you got to be able to look at that, that whoever you're serving in the eye from the customer and your boss, because when things don't go well, you know, you're going to have an autopsy in house to figure out, okay, I should not have sold that because we weren't equipped, qualified, certified, whatever. But the eagerness to get that purchase order booked, uh, it just really, really convolutes that situation on a, especially a young and up and coming sales professional. True. And I think that I've seen that in my career, especially when I'm working for a company and we have a new technology and they're, we're really excited about it. And they want me to go out and sell it. You know, it's so important that we equip, first of all, that we make sure that we instill a level of confidence into our, our account managers and our operations that, hey, we have this new technology and we're ready, we're ready to support it. Um, don't give your sales people unreasonable expectations for a deliverable that's not ready, right? So there's a longer timeline <laughs> for new technologies. Um, and given your salespeople that level of, of a kind of a little bit more flexibility uh, to grow with the customer in this new technology, I think it's going to give you a higher level of success than rushing it. Yeah, I, I definitely see that on the product side. On the pure service side, you, you know, it all comes down to what skill can you deliver to that site? You know, if, if we're talking about a, a there's a different skill level and I'm talking about air conditioning, of course, but for the, the maiden site in North Carolina that requires this amount of skill versus this retail site over here where it happens to sell that same brand, but in a whole different configuration, whole different reason, you know, that requires two different people in being able to sell to an organization, you know, uh, any of the big names. You really have to think about it, look at them across the platform. Okay, understand who the consumer is at that platform. Is it a manager? Is it a general manager? Is it a VP of technology? Who are you selling to and what are the expectations? Because it's going to be different in a retail environment or R&D environment versus a compute environment. And Absolutely. I think... Their needs know, are different. Yeah, and, and that just goes to the 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 requirement of us as salespeople to do our homework and being able to sell properly to the right the, sell the right technology sell the right knowledge to that right person so interesting interesting well i love the way that that you have laid out how you do your job i think it's really cool i think it is so people centric and i love the fact that you're trying to figure out how to keep that one-on-one -on -one going because I think about it all the time. I really do. And most mornings at ServiceLogic, we have a, a team call on the corporate side with about 12 people. 
And it, it's really unique watching our dynamic every day because some days it's a little more light, some days a little more heavy, some days a little quicker, some days more laborious, working through details. But um, it's still, you know, I, and I'm the guy that cuts my camera on every day because I like to see other people that I'm talking to as opposed to looking at a, you know, a, a still image. Um, but I, I think we're all, we're all there. We're all trying to figure that out. Yep. I agree. Well, we're coming up on that, that magical time, Mara, where, where Tyler starts getting twitchy and his finger, <laughs> his fingers over there ready to double clip. <laughs> uh, but it, it sure has been fun and, and exciting for me to hear your methodology and, and what you do. I think it's really, really, uh, just a great story. Well, I think it, I did notice that when I first met you, when you interact with people and I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you kind of study them and, you, but you find out how you contribute to, to their success. And that's what I remembered what you did with me in particular, like, how can I help you? And I'm like, whoa, how can you help me? Okay. This is cool. Um, because at the same time, you also want to be able to benefit from my knowledge, no matter where I'm at in that ecosystem. I've, Obviously, there's a lot more that you know about air conditioners than I do, right? <laughs> so, um, thank God. Yes. Oh, I know. <laughs> but I think as um, as we meet people, you know, back to kind of a relationships is I think if we take that and we study them and how how can we help each other? Every time we meet somebody, hey, I might not be able to hire you, but um, who like there? We have a lot of people that are just dis, uh, displaced right now. Um, you know, how can I, what kind of connections can I make for you and how can I help you and uh, how can I benefit from from your knowledge? So I pre I'm really glad I met you. I'm really glad we connected and um, you've helped me in my career and uh, kept me kind of on pace. Uh, I could have had, you know, I've been I've I've not been without a job since I uh, turned 15. I've not been unemployed with the exception of giving birth and taking some time off from my two girls. But I've never been without a job. And I, and I can say that that's directly a result of relationships. It's not been active job searching. It's not having a, a great resume. It's not, I would say I do have a pretty good level of confidence in an interview, but um, I think it's just from the people that I've met and I always try to uh, build friendships when I meet, when I meet people. Well, that Mara. I can't say we've ever had a be better summation of, of the intent of this podcast than what you just laid out. You just nailed it. Uh, thank you for, for the kind words to me, but more so of explaining uh, those relationships and how they, how they do bind us together. So thank you. You're awesome. I'm so glad you were able to join us. Well, you have to send me that coin. I'll make sure you have me at my home address when we hang up. I'll need a new one. You bet. <laughs> All right, Tyler. You know what to do, my man. Yes. Yes, I do. Well, Mara, thank you again for, for joining us. It was an absolute blast getting a chance to uh, to learn more about you and to hear more about your story. And uh, and so thank you for joining this episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure for us as well. And Greg, it's another episode in the books, but uh, but we got more coming, right? Oh, yeah. We got, we've got... Uh, I won't say anybody better because this was pretty darn special. This was pretty darn good. But we've got some high caliber, fun, 
we've we've done a couple recently that have been a hoot. Uh, so it'll be fun. Stick around if you can. Twenty six million listeners strong and growing and growing. Well, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, we're waiting for our exclusive uh, our exclusive offer from Spotify. But until we get that, we'll just keep uh, we'll just keep rolling with these episodes like we've been doing them. So, Greg, until next time, man. Uh, everyone out there, stay safe. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on Apple and Spotify, or just heading to gregcrumpton.com, and we'll be back soon with more episodes. But until then, for Greg Crumpton, I'm Tyler Kern. We'll talk again soon.